right, well, good morning. My name is Matt Randalls, and I'll be bringing the message today. And I'm going to just begin right away with our text from 1 Peter. We're picking up right where Dan left off last week, right after Peter talks about the hope we have in Christ. And so this is 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. He says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Holy God, give us ears to hear, hearts to believe, and wills to act in accordance with your will. May everything we do, say, or even think bring honor to you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, last week, Dan kicked off our latest sermon series, The Good Life. We all want the good life, right? You want the good life. Nobody wants a terrible life or an unfulfilling life or a meaningless life. We want the good life. And so as we get into summer, we're going to be look at what, looking at what the good life is all about. And we're going to be using the letter of 1 Peter as our guide. And so last week, Dan talked about how the good life is characterized by hopefulness. Hopefulness. And this, this week, as we've just heard, the good life is about being holy. The good life is about being holy. That's right. The good life is a holy life. That's what you were all thinking, right? I, it, I know, it's counterintuitive, ridiculous. I mean, back in the day, 1977, Billy Joel, he sang this in Only the Good Die Young. They say there's a heaven for those who will wait. Some say it's better, but I say it ain't. 
I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. Only the good die young. That's what Billy Joel thought. Holiness sounds boring. Straight-laced, uptight, like a big frown. Holiness feels like uh, the far side. Do we have this cartoon? It feels like that poor dog inside. He's got to practice the violin while all the cool kids get to torment the mailman. <laughs> holiness feels like missing out. But what is holiness, really? Is it just a big downer? Or maybe does the gospel kind of feel like a bait and switch? Like, hey, your sins are forgiven, hooray. Oh, now you have to give up everything fun. Is that what it's really going on? Well, here's the deal. This bad news kind of holiness isn't real holiness at all. It's a perversion of holiness. It's a parody. It's a fake. Instead, in Jesus, we see what real holiness is, and it's kind of surprising. It doesn't mean running away from the world. In fact, in Jesus, we see the exact opposite. In Jesus, the Holy One of God, we see who, one who loves the world, embraces the world, and transforms the world. Holiness is a challenge, there's no doubt. The call to be holy does confront us and convict us. The message of holiness is both good news and a challenge. And if we don't hear both of those messages in this passage from 1 Peter, then, then we haven't really heard it. So I just want to review for a moment what the passage we read today is all about. There is a lot here. Peter says some things that stop us in our tracks. He says, be holy in all you do, every last little thing. Now, that probably seems like a tall order. But he goes on, he says, don't conform to the world. In fact, he says, we're foreigners in this world. It's not our home. You could say, we don't really belong. And that's kind of hard, because it's fun to belong. Then he says, make no mistake, we have a heavenly father who's going to judge everything we do. And so we're to live our lives in reverence, in fear, he says. But he doesn't mean fear as in terror or worry or anxiety. He means fear as in awe. And then he talks about how we've been redeemed from an empty way of life. How? By the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And this, this phrase, the Lamb of God, evokes the Passover recorded in the Old Testament when God delivered the people from Israel and he struck down the firstborn of the, of the Egyptians, but he spared his people who had sprinkled the blood of the Passover lamb over their doors. This all happened a thousand years before Jesus' time. But that's not all. Peter says that, that Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, before anything had happened, before time had begun. Wow, try to wrap your mind around that. And it is through Jesus that we believe in God. We don't simply believe in a philosophical construct or, or a higher power. We believe in the God revealed in Jesus, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived in Galilee during the reign of Herod, taught the crowds about the kingdom of God, healed the sick, cast out demons. He was betrayed by Judas. He was denied by Peter very same Peter who wrote this letter, suffered under Pontius Pilate, he was crucified, then rose again, raised to life by God himself. And so, Peter says, our faith 
and our hope are in God. And because of all this, because this has transformed who we are, because we've been born again, born of imperishable seed, he says, through the word of God that lasts forever, even though everything else passes away, because we have tasted that the Lord is good, we aren't to keep living in the ways of the world. But we're to, we're to love one another deeply from the heart. And so we shall grow up in our salvation. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot to cover. And we can't cover it all. We'd be here all day. So we'll just go straight for the hard stuff. Peter says, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. This morning we just had a baby dedication. A child is dedicated to God, presented to the Lord. This is a picture of holiness. At its heart, that's what holiness is about. It's about being set apart. That's literally what it means, being set apart. Now, you know how you have your your everyday dishes that you eat off all the time and your ordinary silverware, and then you've got your disposable dishes. Hopefully they're recyclable or compostable. Uh, and then you've got the good stuff, right? The china that's the fine china and the silverware that's actually silver. And you get that out, not for every day, you get that for Christmas and Thanksgiving. It's not for Chinese takeout night. It's not for Pizza Hut delivery. It's special. You could say it's the holy stuff. It's the holy china. It's set apart. It's special. Well, when I was reading up on this passage, one of the commentators made the point that holiness is God's essential characteristic. It's fundamental to who God is. God is holy. And the Hebrew words for holy or holiness or sacred appear 850 times in the Old Testament. One of the great hymns of the church is, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And that comes straight out of the prophet Isaiah's vision of all the heavenly beings worshiping God. And it's echoed once more in the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible. And we sang a song based on that this morning. God is the ultimate in holiness. No one is like God. Nothing can compare to God because there's only one God. Now, you may recall if you heard last week, how Dan mentioned that 1 Peter is one of the most popular books of the Bible around the world. It's one of the most studied, the most read, except here, except in America. Well, why? 1 Peter is explicitly written to Christians who are in the minority. They're the oddballs, the outsiders, foreigners and exiles, as Peter puts it. In fact, he addresses the letter right at the beginning to God's elect exiles who were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. They're not in power. They're not in charge. Their devotion to Jesus is anything but mainstream. It's suspect. It's barely tolerated if it's even tolerated at all. And today, in lots of places around the world, that's what it's like to be a Christian. In lots of places... Christians live under the threat of real persecution. But in America, we've got a, a strong Christian heritage, right? Sure. 
but it also feels like being a Christian is becoming more and more out of step with mainstream American culture all the time. Mainstream American culture seems more and more like the empty way of life that Peter talks about. He gets this. He understands it. Later on in the letter, chapter 4, he outright says, don't be surprised at such things, like trouble fitting in with society, like persecution, like the culture holding up ideals that are in fact ungodly, anything but holy, an empty way of life. Holiness is not popular in our world. Our world mocks the idea of holiness. Our world says anything, absolutely everything, is okay. Anything you want, everything you want to do is just fine. Do it. Go for it. There are no taboos. Be whatever you want to be. Do whatever you want to do. Do whatever makes you happy without reference to anyone else. You are the center of your universe. Live according to your truth. See the world as you see fit. And where is God in this picture? God isn't in this picture. It reminds me of one of the darkest times in the Bible. If you go back to the book of Judges, way back in the Old Testament, you find the stories of Samson and Gideon and Deborah, and there's this repeated refrain. It comes up like four times. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then it goes on to recount all the bad things that happened to them as a result. And then there's this other refrain, and it goes like this. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone did as they saw fit. Kind of sounds like our world, don't you think? Yeah, seems like it to me. But this is not the way. Not if we're following Jesus. So then, what does holiness actually look like? We need to get past some misconceptions about that. Holiness gets a bad rap in our world, and it gets a bad rap among Christians and in the church even. It gets misconstrued. First of all, holiness is often seen as weird. A holy person is seen as strange, out of touch, extreme, or maybe sheltered or naive. All too often we think of being a holy person means being a monk or a nun or, or a hermit. That being holy means praying all day long and fasting and not having any fun and never going to movies and not enjoying life. But holiness doesn't mean withdrawing from the world. It doesn't mean selling everything you own and going off to live in the desert. Yes, Jesus was known to, to go off and pray by himself. Sometimes he even prayed all night long. Because prayer is important. Holiness certainly means making prayer priority. But Jesus was also accused of not being holy enough. He was criticized because he, he and his disciples didn't fast regularly like the Pharisees and because they didn't observe all their traditional rituals about ceremonial washings and all that stuff. Jesus didn't run away from the world. He engaged it. He embraced it. Now, speaking of the Pharisees, this leads to the second misconception about holiness. The idea that it's all about our outward behavior. That it's about seeming holy, appearing holy, looking good in the eyes of others. Jesus actually had like really strong words for the Pharisees about this. He said this, 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. The Pharisees were all about outward holiness, about following all the rules, but inside their hearts hadn't changed. Inside their hearts were rotten. And maybe even worse, in the process of putting on their big holiness show, they made everyone around them miserable. They looked down on everyone. They considered themselves superior. They lorded their righteousness over everyone. Maybe you know people like that. People who are so righteous, so holy, that no one wants to be around them. People who make everyone else feel like dirt or that they're sinful or unclean, unworthy. These people don't get invited to parties. And that's not real holiness. Real holiness starts on the inside. It comes from within, from being transformed by God's work within us. What we do and how we behave flows from what's inside us. We see Jesus talk about this at another time when he was facing off with the Pharisees. He said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Now, the last misconception about holiness I want to mention is the the idea that being holy is all about not being defiled or corrupted by bad people doing bad things. That holiness is really about being seen, not being seen with the wrong people doing wrong things. Once again, Jesus shows us something different. And I think this is where Jesus was at his most surprising. Because he was always being seen with the wrong crowd. One of his closest followers was a tax collector. And they hated the tax collectors because they were all greedy and corrupt. And one of them was Jesus' closest followers. And then there was the prostitute who washed Jesus' feet with her hair. A woman who the Pharisee at the same dinner looked down on with scorn, but whom Jesus defended. Then there was the time he talked with the Samaritan woman at the well. This was unthinkable. For one, Jews wouldn't even talk to Samaritans. And a man, much less a rabbi, would never be seen in such a situation, especially not with a woman who was living with a guy who wasn't her husband. And actually, uh, Jesus knew that this was like guy number six. She'd already had five husbands. In all of this, Jesus shows us something that turns our ideas of holiness upside down. He isn't defiled by having the tax collector as one of his friends, one of his disciples. He's not defiled by associating with that prostitute. No, instead of being defiled, Jesus' own holiness was transformative to those he encountered. Holiness transforms others. More than that, holiness doesn't mean we have nothing to do with the world so that we can stay pure. Instead, it leads us to have more love for the world. I want to go back to one of the verses from today. Peter says, Now that you have purified yourself, become holy. By obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Holiness leads
to love. We aren't to keep living in the ways of the world, but we're to love one another deeply from the heart. Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the holy one of God, the most holy person who ever lived. And here's an amazing thing. Jesus got invited to the parties with all the crooks and hookers. Jesus, the holy man, the rabbi, the teacher, he got to go to the parties. They liked being around him. He was holy, and yet they felt safe around him. Not like the Pharisees who made him feel bad. Not like the Christians who scream at people today with megaphones on the street. Have you gone to the Mariner game where there's people yelling at you? Uh, it's awful. It's awful. They're outside with their megaphones telling people they're going to go to hell. That's not the way. Here's a clue to how holiness really works. The more we draw near to God, the more we will want to be like him, the more we will want to obey, and the more we will become like him. Remember how I mentioned the, the holy dishes, the special dishes that we only use once a year? Well, holiness actually isn't really like that. We're to be holy in all we do as we live our everyday lives in the world, not retreating from the world and not running away. And remember how the, the baby dedication is an image of holiness. Parents dedicate their child because of their desire for their children to become like them and to share their faith. And in the same way, God desires for us to be like him. That's why he says, be holy as I am holy. Not to lay a big burden on us, not to load us up with guilt, but because he wants his children, us, to be like him. Our God is a holy God, and he calls us to be a holy people. Not everything goes. We aren't permitted to do just whatever we want. Proverbs says there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Peter talks about the empty way of life that we used to live in. The truth is, not all of our inclinations are good. Not all of the things we want are good or are good for us. Our desires can deceive us. And back in those dark times of Israel, when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, they weren't striving for holiness. They were actually just being selfish. But we're called to a holy life, and it's a good life. If you take one thing away from this passage and all of this talk about holiness, remember this, that real holiness leads to love for those around us. Real holiness starts on the inside. It doesn't judge or condemn, but it transforms. And that real holiness that leads to love is attractive. And above all, remember this, Jesus, the Holy One of God, loves you. Let's pray. Lord God, you are a holy God. And you call us to be holy. And it seems overwhelming. Holy Spirit, you who dwell in us, draw us to yourself. Show us the way we should go. Convict us when we're on the wrong path and lead us in the way of everlasting life. May we love one another deeply as much as you love us. 
Lord Jesus, we pray this in your name.